down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome everyone, and I hope you have all had the opportunity to see the COVID-infested caravan that is on its way here. Thank God President Trump put up a wall. At least that will be a small, and I do mean small, deterrent. These people have not been tested for COVID. Oh my goodness, after all of the screaming and the closing of businesses and the closing of states, they are now allowing COVID-infested caravans to enter America. And Biden says, go back home now is not the right time to come. Well, sir, when is the right time? Never. 7.3 million Americans are unemployed, and yet we are bringing in more low-level employees. How is that going to work? We're also being told that all of the automation is going to eliminate all of those jobs. So what are we going to do with these new people that come to America? Well, does it really matter as long as they vote for a Democrat? I guess not. You're listening to Karen Schoen, and this is the prism of America's education. Folks, this immigration and open borders and allowing 11 million, and I'm sure it's more like 30 or 40 million dreamers to become American citizens, what is that going to do to our national debt? What is that going to do to our jobs? What is that going to do to our cities? Will we all turn out looking like San Francisco? Well, when it comes to talking about immigration, I like to talk to the expert. And my expert is Michael Cutler, who has been in tune with the immigration laws of this country for many more years than I'm sure he'd like to declare. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. You're right. Many more years. Uh, Gosh, I started working for the old INS, believe it or not, back in 1971. Thank you for having me, Karen. Oh, it is a pleasure. And this is nothing new. And that's very important that people have to understand this. This idea of caravans coming to America and of people coming to America illegally did not pop up in the last four years. What do you think, Michael? Well, no, and it's not even only the illegal. Let's, let's take a fast look back in history. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the strongest advocate for effective immigration law enforcement to get the American economy moving during the Depression. And the immigration laws used to be primarily enforced by the Labor Department because of that consideration. And I began my career back in 71. As I mentioned, I was an immigration inspector assigned to John F. Kennedy International Airport. And when I helped Arizona... Uh, defend themselves against the outrageous lawsuit by the Obama administration when they enacted their own immigration law, SB 1070. In my deposition, I made the point 
that for the first four years of my career, when I sat in that inspector's booth at the airport, I had my eye to the peephole on America's uh, front door. The immigration laws are supposed to protect America and Americans, and it's not based on race or religion. All this nonsense that people hear is all lies, propaganda. Look at the law, Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182. Check it out after the program. It's the categories of aliens who are to be excluded from the United States. Don't let them in. Why? Number one, they may have dangerous communicable diseases or severe mental illness. Aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human rights violators, human traffickers, drug smugglers, Nazis, are all people to be kept out of the United States. Then we get to aliens who are previously deported, aliens who've committed fraud and immigration applications, Aliens who would become a public charge, or if they work, would displace American workers or otherwise have an adverse impact on Americans' jobs and wages are all to be kept out of the country. What in the world is unreasonable? Here's the problem, though. I always like to ask people, and I'll ask you the question, do you think the immigration system is broken, Karen? So let's start with that premise. Is the system broken? Well, I, I don't really think so, because I think that the purpose was to bring in low-level employees and uh, build a democratic uh, voter base. So I guess by that regard, then I would have to say no. But looking at it overtly, it's a horrible thing for our country. So I'd have to say yes. So we're in a, you know, a flux here. Well, so Is it working or by not the way, working? The the people that really wanted the open borders first and foremost were the people on the right, not the left. The people on the left were outraged over failures of the immigration system. Okay? They okay. were looking out for middle class workers, for America's working poor. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. When I signed on with the Democrat Party when I was back in college, it was a very different party. It was the party of JFK, Harry Truman. And they were looking to defend the jobs. It was the right, the business owners who said, flood the country. Cheap labor. And by the way, you keep talking about the low level. We have brought in millions of high-tech workers. We have fired Americans and displaced them with people from India and other countries. And these are people that have graduate degrees. Alan Greenspan testified to Chuck Schumer back April 30th, 2009, and said that the way to get rid of the wage um, disparity between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills was to make American high-tech workers, people with PhDs, MBAs, make them compete with the third world workers, you will slash that wage premium they're earning through international competition, and then you will greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. So in other words, Greenspan said, let's kill the middle class, and the working poor will have nobody to be envious of. Along came Jimmy Carter, by the way, and he decided he could harness immigration for political purposes. Big shock. And so he said that the immigration employees were no longer going to use the term illegal alien to describe illegal aliens. And people said, well, look, this is political correctness. I want everyone listening to the program to take the vow that I have taken. Never, ever use the term political correctness. That is a lie. It is designed to make people think this is about compassion and being fair and so forth. No, this is Orwellian newspeak. Alter the language, you alter the thoughts. The term alien is not an insult. It simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. That's like saying, Karen, you're my friend, but you're not a relative of mine. 
Is that an insult or a statement of fact? Oh, so that's what we're really talking about. You're absolutely right. They are masters of changing our vocabulary. Yes, sir, let me just make the point, though. And then, and then Carter said, we're not going to make any arrests of any illegal aliens when the census is being conducted. And why is that? We were shocked. Nobody went to DEA and said, don't lock up drug dealers. We're conducting a census. No one went to the FBI and said, leave those bank robbers and kidnappers alone. We're conducting a census. No, no one said that. <clears throat> this was about <clears throat> getting illegal aliens who live in Democrat stronghold cities to be counted so that when they reapportion the seats in the House and reapportion the electoral votes, more of those seats and more of those electoral votes would go to the Democrat-controlled uh, communities. This was about gerrymandering, okay? And so we started to understand what was happening. And then Ronald Reagan came in and gave us that marvelous amnesty. Mm. Now, you were mentioning 11 million illegal aliens. Reagan, when we were briefed as immigration agents, because I became an agent in 1975, and then I rotated through all the sections, all the squads within the investigations branch, and I became the first immigration agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of the Drug Enforcement Administration. Then I was promoted to senior special agent and assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So this impacts not just people coming into the country, but drugs, weapons, the economy, and everything else. By the way, and it's not just about bringing in new voters. That's certainly part of the equation. But if you destroy the middle class, then you force American citizens who were born in America to veer to the left. Why? Well, my dad said, if you want to turn a, com a capitalist into a communist, take away his money. If you destroy wages, Americans will have no choice but to reach out to the party of the handout, which, of course, is the Democrat Party. That's how they gain control. I wrote an article for Front Page magazine, and in it I wrote that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. And boy, are we failing today. These are failures by design. But both parties wanted the immigration system, instead of being the law enforcement system that's supposed to protect us, to become the system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And again, forget only the low, the low-wage workers. We're talking about computer programmers, chemists, nurses, engineers, scientists. You had Mitt Romney knife every American in the back when he said, we must bring in all these brilliant foreign students, and then when we've educated them, don't make them go home, staple green cards onto their diplomas. Wait a minute. When... Sputnik was launched, and I'm old enough to remember it. I was in fifth grade. Then President Eisenhower didn't say, oh, my God, the Russians have taken the lead. We better call India. No, Eisenhower made a speech, and we're going to be teaching math and science to American children. And I started teaching myself astronomy in third grade. I was always what we used to call egghead back then. Now the word is nerd. I, I spent my time in libraries, planetariums, and so forth. They asked me to teach science to my fifth grade class on Thursdays for an hour, every Thursday morning. I remember it like yesterday, and I was ecstatic. And then the following year, we had teachers come in who were certified to teach math and science on the level that our country needed. So instead of saying we're going to reach out overseas, when you have people like Ted Cruz saying, for America to lead, we need to import the world's best and brightest. I almost had a fistfight with him when I confronted him. He shoved me, believe it or not. I said, what's this business about bringing in the world's best and brightest? Where I come from, Brooklyn, we have a term for the world's best and brightest. We call them Americans. And he became enraged. 
And if you don't think Americans are the best and brightest, then you make damn sure the educational system trains Americans that they are the world's best and brightest. But that's not what we're doing. No. And by the way, not only are we bringing in an unlimited supply of foreign cheap labor, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists, Reagan started the visa waiver program, very dangerous program. <clears throat> On 9-11, we had 26 visa waiver countries. That should have ended. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. I arrested and investigated terrorists. That's why I've done all these congressional hearings since 9-11. That's why the 9-11 Commission reached out to me and asked me for my perspectives to help prevent future attacks. So when we look at that whole system, why in the world are we ignoring the fact that the visa problem exacerbated how we got attacked? The fact none of the 9-11 hijackers around the Mexican border Virtually all of them came from international airports. So we had 26 visa waiver pro countries on 9-11. You would think there'd be zero the day after 9-11. Well, guess what? Donald Trump made Poland number 39. That was the only one that Trump added to the list. But Bush couldn't wait to add more countries to the visa waiver list after the attack. Obama added even more. Okay. So why are we having a visa waiver program when that's a vulnerability that needed to be plugged? Because they won't do it. They wanted the cheap labor. The Chamber of Commerce wants an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. We've been educating Chinese engineers and programmers for decades. They've been spying on us every second of every day. And we're educating the people that are building the Chinese military that they're threatening us with in the South China Sea and elsewhere. Think about that madness. Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education under Trump, opened an investigation into how at least six or eight billion dollars, with a B, billion dollars went from America's adversaries to universities that went unreported. Even more money was reported. But she found at least, I, I, I remember the number started at six billion, then I saw another estimate of eight billion dollars from China, from Saudi Arabia, from Qatar, possibly even Russia and Iran. Why are they putting money into American universities? Well, it's easy. They could yes. then have a voice in the curriculum and the faculty. Who's going to be running these campuses? So the schools have become indoctrination centers. So when you see football players taking a knee and everyone in the news says, I don't know why they're doing that. They've been indoctrinated. Remember Tokyo Rose from the Second World War who tried to demoralize the U.S. troops by broadcasting how terrible America was and how much they knew about our troop movements and everything else to demoralize her, yeah. her descendants are now standing in front of classrooms across the country from K through graduate school. Why in the world do you think so many kids don't get the importance of America or the, or the wonders of the achievements? Not that America is without fault. I don't know anybody who's without fault, but America has been the voice for freedom. It was America that ended slavery around the world, but you have the New York Times with their idiotic and dangerous and outrageous 1619 project. So there's been a massive effort to turn American schools into indoctrination centers, and they are. And then finally, and this is the most critical, the flood of immigrants and illegal aliens into the country creates um, clientele for immigration law firms. Right. The whole point of comprehensive immigration reform was to push these people not out of the shadows. If you want to get them out of the shadows, you hire more agents, right? They're not right. going to hire any more agents. They want to get rid of the agents we have. This is about motivating illegal aliens to head to the law firm. 
Bob Goodlatte was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee that oversees immigration, the FBI, the U.S. Marshal Service, the courts, DEA, etc. Very powerful position. I met with Goodlatte. He told me how much he knew about immigration. Didn't want to confront what I told him about Greenspan. I said, why wouldn't you use this as a campaign issue? You have Greenspan testifying at the behest of Schumer about the solution to wage inequality is to flood America with foreign workers to drive down Americans' wages and displace them. Are you serious? I raised the issue twice during the conversation. Finally, the third time, he said, Mr. Cutler, my son is a computer whiz. And I, I told him my first wife had died many years ago. She was young, had cancer. It was a tragedy for so many of us. Uh, she was a brilliant programmer, Phi Beta Kappa graduate, MBA computer science, member of the National Math Honor Society. And most of the people who worked with her and for her had comparable credentials, and they were Americans. I said, why in the world would you not want to hire them and bring in people from India? Well, my son loves brilliant Indian programmers. And I said, and what are the Americans, chopped liver? I said, why in the world as chairman of the U.S. House of Representatives do you not give a rat's tail about American, highly skilled, highly experienced workers? He looked me in the eye and said, Mr. Cutler, our meeting is done. I said, I'm sure it is. Look up Bobby Goodlatte, Bob Goodlatte's son. Bobby Goodlatte got his start with Zuckerberg at Facebook. He's a gazillionaire, and he's only, I believe, in his 30s. Made lots of his money by bringing in programmers from India and firing Americans. You know, hire America? Well, now we're in an era of fire, fire. America. When you hear the 11 or 12 million, we've had universities saying it's 25 million. I think you're right, well over 30. But that's only a tip of the iceberg. You know how many people would get green cards? If Biden is to enact this massive amnesty, and it's not just dreamers, by the way, right? It's every illegal alien. And I want everyone to understand what we're talking about. Anybody and who gets lawful status in America can bring in their minor children, which makes sense. Okay, we travel as families. Every alien who would get lawful status could immediately bring in each and every one of their minor children, whether it's 15, because the guy had kids with four different women or only one or three, I'm going to be an optimist. So here's my numbers, and, and this is staggering. And I think the numbers will be way, way higher. Let's say 25 million illegal aliens apply for amnesty. And on average, they have four children. And let's presume they don't bring their wives here. They bring their wives, add that to the number. Four times 25 million, folks, is an influx. They're not here yet. 100 million. Let me repeat that number, 100 million who would immediately be enrolled in our school system. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who are not English proficient. Imagine the impact on the environment. You want to talk about the Green New Deal? Every person who comes in needs more than a pillow to sleep on. They need water. They need electricity. They need food. They need sewerage, right? They need transportation. Think of the congestion on the highways, more pollution, more problems. Think about what this does to national security. I will tell you right up front, there will be no interviews at all. You know, we're going to know who they are. No, you won't. It's going to be done on paper. And the people doing the processing, because I was an adjudicator for a year, if they tell them, 
we have to clear the backlog, it means approve everything. Hold that thought, yeah, Mike. That thought. We are going to have to take a very brief break. And I want everybody to think about what Michael just said. I think you made one of the most important statements when you said this is not a party issue. These people no. who are doing this are in both parties and that is our fault we have to make sure if we if at all possible because unless we clean up the uh, voter the voter fraud and i will say that out loud voter fraud it doesn't matter when it was it's still voter fraud if we don't clean that up it doesn't make any difference anyway. So hold on to that thought right now, and we will be right back. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my guest, Michael Cutler, and we will be right back. Well, my fellow Americans, we sure do love our convenient shopping options. But what happens after we buy? Are the products coming from China or overseas, thereby putting our fellow Americans out of business? Are the profits being sent to groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, groups that intend to destroy the freedoms that we enjoy? Well, listen, I'm an avid consumer just like you are, but I've realized that we need to think before we buy. Shopping should be convenient and easy, sure, but we need to be able to follow the money. Well, shoptotheright.com. It's brand new. It's a new shopping platform featuring American companies with a focus on products that are made right here in America. Well, listen, this is a novel idea and one that I believe will start to become more popular and create a shopping revolution. Shoptotheright.com. So let's get right back on this with my guest, Michael Cutler, and uh, we've been talking about the caravan on its way here, and all I can say is, thank God President Trump put up a border in some places which will help slow it down, but unlike most people think, it's not going to stop anything, is it, Mike? No, we're a country of 50 border states, you know, and, and this was one of, the, one of the, the big lies being told by the politicians, you know. Once we secure the Mexican border, we heard this from both sides of the aisle, then we can deal with the people who are already here. Deal with them how? We, we have about 6,000 immigration agents, ICE agents, okay? Most of the time, they're not doing immigration work because the way that, the, um, the way that ICE was formed, the way DHS was formed by George W. Bush, betrayed America, betrayed America. Uh, and people don't realize that. I, I just want to talk about Alejandro Mayorkas, the guy that's going to run DHS. And then I think it's really important to understand what George Bush did when he created the Department of what I call the Department of Homeland Surrender. I testified before a bunch of hearings about the way it was configured. Uh, altogether, I believe, uh, if I have my numbers right, I've been before 17 hearings in the House and Senate. And what Bush did was an absolute travesty in the wake of 9-11. Think about that. But Alejandro Mayorkas worked for Obama. Most of the people being picked by Biden are Obama recycles, okay? Alejandro Mayorkas, the big emphasis is on the fact that his father, uh, I believe his father was Jewish, that he's an immigrant, that he's a Latino. What does this have to do with qualification? Um, the, the obstetrician who helped my wife with a couple of our children 
uh, came here from Haiti. He's the head of, was the head of obstetrics at a major New York hospital. I didn't care if he was black or purple or green or had polka dots. You want the best qualified doctor for the job. Turns out he was from Haiti and he's black. Okay, that's cool. I don't care. These are non-relevant issues. We hear this nonsense. Wouldn't it be great to have a woman president? Wouldn't it be great to have a competent president? Yes. Think about that. Ab- I, I, I want to add one thing, Mike, um, and you are absolutely right as we go forward and race becomes more of an issue, the competency of America's government, the competency of America's bureaucracy, the competency of America's workers are going to suffer. And we can see that happening right now. And this is a very big issue. You are absolutely right. We, we are going to be choosing people by their diversity instead of by the quality and is, well, you know what? I, I, I just horrible. thought of something. It's like a dog. It's a dog show, isn't it? Yes, we're going to. Yeah, Westminster. What, what is your pedigree? Not what right. are your qualifications? What we'll, we'll do DNA pedigrees pretty soon. Yes, and How it's going to be easier and easier to do as surveillance becomes more of a thing. And as we have to identify ourselves for every single thing in America, except to vote. Isn't that amazing? Isn't, Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so, so let me, let me just tell you, Alejandro Mayorkas was running citizenship and immigration services. That's the, the, that's the uh, sub organization within the department of Homeland security that adjudicates applications for political asylum, applications for visas, applications for green cards, applications for citizenship. I think of this as the locksmith for America. You know, I, I always used to like to ask people a, a, a sort of a, a riddle. Imagine I could put something in your pocket that would help you to walk right through the wall on the border. The, ball, the wall could be 100 feet high with a million volts of electricity running through it. And I could put something in your pocket that would enable you to get past that border. What do you think it is? And people will come up with all kinds of crazy ideas. Is it a laser? Could burn a hole in the wall? Get a, no, it's a green card. Because <laughs> understand something. And, and this is where Trump screwed up. His ability to debate was horrible. I'm going to be very blunt with you. His use of language was terrible. I was going to teach debate on the college level. I started as an engineering major. Things go in different directions. There's a Yiddish expression, man makes plans and God laughs. I lost my parents to cancer when I was in college. My ability to study evaporated. I took a degree in communications, arts, and sciences. But I will tell you that two of my four children are engineers. So I'm glad that, you know, they're doing what I had dreamed of doing. I'm very proud of all of my kids. They're all really did well in school and so forth. And education is supposed to open all the doors for Americans, but not anymore. But in any event, um, Alejandro Mayorkas was running that organization, Citizenship and Immigration Services, and he demanded that his people get to yes. Get to yes. Now, what does that mean? Approve the application. And then it was alleged by people who worked there, they were outraged that he was playing politics with national security because the 9-11 Commission found that immigration fraud, people lying on applications, whether it was for asylum or getting married to Americans or getting U.S. citizenship was the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. In fact, when our special forces raided the bin Laden compound and they found a treasure trove of documents, among the items that they seized in the bin Laden compound 
was number one, a copy of the 9-11 Commission report, and number two, an application for United States citizenship. Think about that one, okay? Most of the terrorists that we've seen since 9-11 have acquired citizenship in the United States or attempted to acquire citizenship. The Tsarnaev brothers involved with the bombing at the marathon in Boston back in 2013, guess what? They had applied for asylum, the parents did. And one of the brothers had become a U.S. citizen, the other was trying to become a citizen and they were holding on to his application because there were some problems with it. So citizenship opens up the keys to the, provides the keys to the kingdom. So when you're listening to a guy like Mayorkas who says to his people, get to yes, and one of the people who ran a major office for him in California, and she was a career employee, had, I believe, a graduate degree in governmental administration. We spoke several times on the phone for lengthy periods of time, and it was a horror show. She was demoted and told to work from home because she refused to get to yes when applications could not be approved because they didn't fulfill the legal requirements. She said, I can't approve this. He said, you will or I will remove you. <clears throat> he removed her. Had her working from her living room and demoted her because she didn't get to yes. And then the Office of Inspector General did an investigation and found that Mayorkas had approved applications for a business involved. It was an Iranian business that linked back to Terry McAuliffe mm. and the Clintons. So instead of approving and adjudicating applications based on whether or not they met the requirements of law, he said, just approve everything. That's how you clear up the backlog anyway. Well, he's now coming back if Biden gets his way, and he's been promoted to be the guy that's in charge of the entire Department of Homeland Surrender, as I call it. I want to read to you something. I testified before hearing about the dual missions of the Immigration Service back in 2005. John Hostetler, Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, frequently disagreed with President Bush. Every time Bush said something outrageous, my phone would ring and they would ask me, can you come down to Washington and testify? Or can you come down to Washington and meet with members of Congress behind closed doors? Which I did. Hostetler was a great guy. Eventually, the Republican Party defunded his campaign and he lost a bid for re-election. I, went, I actually went to Indiana to try to help him get elected because he had no campaign funds. That's what they do. That's how you carry out a political hit in America. You defund the campaign. They did the same thing to Lou Barletta when he was running for the Senate as a Republican. The Republican Party took away his funding. The Republican, Party, the Republican Party has a habit of doing that. They eat their own. They don't care. They are out for me, me, me only. And nothing was more evident of that when seeing some of the uh, conferences and listening to some of the representatives saying, I will vote to impeach. Nobody asked you what you care about to vote to do well, anything. You're supposed to be representing well, we the people. We have lost that a long time ago because we the so, people so let me, let don't me, pay well, attention. Let me, let me just make this point. So John Hosteller talked about the way they, that Bush had put the Department of Homeland Security together even after 9-11. And, and he said it made no sense that this, the way it was done um, created immigration dysfunction that made it impossible to secure the borders or enforce the laws or protect Americans. And he said this, uh, John Hosteller, the 9-11 terrorists all came to the United States without weapons or contraband. Added customs enforcement would not have stopped 9-11 from happening. Now, understand that. It's called immigration and customs and why and customs. <clears throat> and if you read the overall statement, 
They blended in agriculture and the TSA and Secret Service and ATF all under this one roof, and it's called ICE. Why are we doing that? Why are we blending all these agencies together that way? Why are you blending customs with immigration? It was designed to screw up enforcement, and that was why Jeb Bush said that illegal immigration was an act of love. And I wrote a piece. I said he was looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> so you have all these immigration agents. When there's a political campaign, they get assigned to Secret Service, put away your immigration cases. Anything we could do to get them from not making arrests or investigations, they want to do it. And again, this is what Host Hitler said. The 9-11 terrorists all came to the United States without weapons or contraband. Added customs enforcement would not have stopped 9-11 from happening. What might have foiled al-Qaeda's plan was additional immigration focus, vetting, and enforcement. And so what is needed is the recognition that, one, immigration is a very important national security issue that cannot take a backseat to customs or agriculture. Two, immigration is a very complex issue, and immigration enforcement agencies need experts in immigration enforcement. He said that because just about everybody put into a key position at ICE came from customs or some other agency with zero immigration background. Think about that one. Okay. And finally, he said, the leadership of our immigration agencies should be shielded from political pressures to act in a way that could compromise the nation's security, which is exactly what we've been seeing. If we were really serious about immigration, because that's what the 9-11 Commission warned about, we should have at least 30 or 40,000 immigration agents doing immigration work 24-7. We should have all the support people and all the resources that we need to make certain that if people are here illegally, we find them. That if they commit immigration fraud, get involved in marriage fraud, we locate them and we remove them. I testified at a hearing six months after 9-11 because to everyone, Tara, it was determined that two of the dead terrorists, including the ringleader, Mohammed Atta, had been granted permission to go to flight school six months after the attack. So they were dead and the world knew they were terrorists. I got a call from Sheila Jackson Lee's counsel, believe it or not. She was the ranking member of the immigration subcommittee. Leon Buck, her counsel, called me up. I just had a screaming match with my then congressman idiot, Anthony Weenie, as I called him. <laughs> yes. And as I'm pulling down the block, I get a call. This Mr. Cutler, yes, your country needs you in Washington next week. I said, what are you talking about? Who is this? He said, do you know that two of the dead terrorists just got authorization to go to flight school? I almost hit the tree at the, at the beginning of my driveway. I said, what? I ran in the house. You can see the hearing. It is part of the C-SPAN permanent library. I testified. Rudy Decker, the guy that ran the flight school who got the notice, testified. He's actually a citizen of Germany. His flight school was in Florida. The guy from the company that issued the letter, they hired a private computer company to send out these letters. You know, people say, oh, we need to privatize. No, this is Rube Goldberg. They privatize so they can reward campaign contributors with contracts, okay? And then finally, we had the commissioner for the Immigration Service. So the four of us testified. The world literally showed up for this hearing because of the nature of the hearing. And if you listen to the statements made by the members of Congress, we must get that border secure. We must not allow anyone to come here who we don't know. Everyone has to be screened. People are dying. It's going to happen to us again. And within about three or four years, the whole thing shifted. And around 2007, the Chamber of Commerce and others went to Congress and said, all this border security is a crisis, creates a crisis. We need those borders open. You're keeping people out who are going to spend money. You must stop this. And suddenly the hearings slowed down. Suddenly television stopped talking about it. I was averaging 
30 to 40 television interviews per month on MSNBC, on CNN. Lou Dobbs had me on frequently two and three times a week. ABC had me on. I did one piece for, for the Today Show. Fox News certainly had me on. It stopped. It stopped. And suddenly, you were anti-immigrant if you dared to want to enforce the immigration laws. And Trump, when he came up with the travel ban, so-called, was really an entry restriction. To this day, they keep saying Muslim-majority countries. That's why he did it. And Biden said, we're going to stop this ban on Muslims. It's not a ban on Muslims. And Trump needed to make the point that if he was really trying to keep Muslims from entering the United States, he's incompetent. Because on the list of countries, he did not include Indonesia, the world's most populous Muslim-majority country. He did not include India or Pakistan, the second and third largest Muslim-majority countries. So if this was about keeping out Muslims, he was inept. It was about keeping out aliens who came from countries that sponsored terrorism, and for a number of reasons, we are unable to properly screen their people. And that's critical. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. And the death count from the attacks of 9-11 continues as more people, mostly first responders, succumb to illness that they got because they were exposed to the toxins when the towers collapsed. So we have this fantasy being spewed. You have a 9-11 commission report, and instead of asking Biden, as Trump did, can you say law enforcement, Joe? I almost had a meltdown. The simple and better question would have been, Joe, have you read the 9-11 commission report? So we all know the answer to that one. And unfortunately, we are at the end of our session. And Mike, I want to thank you so much for sharing this information. We have a lot that we can have. Can I just make one quick yeah. point? I, yes, I, just, I just want your people to go to my website, michaelcutler.net, and check out my articles at frontpagemag.com. And I also do podcasts for teamdmldmlnews.com. That is fantastic. And everyone check that out. Uh, this is Karen Schoen, and you're listening to the Prism of America's Education with my guest, Michael Cutler. Um, we are going to be in for a real ride on immigration, and this is going to be something that has to be talked about and discussed over and over again until we drum it into the heads of our new legislators that this is not what America wants or needs. And we'll talk about that more as we go forward. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Michael. It has been a pleasure as pleasure. always. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Everyone, I said I was not going to discuss the inauguration, but I just had to make one comment.
Did you see all the big crowd there? Did you see all the people rioting? Did you see everybody trying to storm the, I want to say Bastille, because <laughs> that's what this was set out to be. This was a hyped up nothing burger, and it was done on purpose, I believe, to show strength, to say, we are the Democrats and we control everything, nah, 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 like a bunch of babies. It is very sad. And even listening to Biden's speech was very sad. How do you unify a group of people after calling them deplorable and other names? And that's what is going to be going on. And we're going to be having a tit for tat for tit for tat going back and forth, with the exception, of course, as the rhinos who are jumping up and down with their newfound ability to come in second and say yay, yay, yay to the Democrats. And we're going to see that happening right now. The elite has won. And if I remember correctly, one of my favorite comedians, George Carlin, said, they belong to a club and we ain't in it. And that is exactly what this is. This is the club has taken over. And I am hoping and praying that President Trump will start a third party because if we ever screamed out for one, we're screaming now. We're, we are 75 million people that are saying we are tired of the lies, we are tired of you selling out America, and we are tired at the destruction that you are going to place on this country. We are tired of you, and we need fresh voices. And I know that President Trump can put those fresh voices in place. It almost isn't even important that he run again, because I believe he was the messenger. And his message was very, very strong and very poignant, and that was, make America great again. And he certainly did. And that's something that we should never forget. And we should use him as a shining example to show that when you believe in something and when you fight for it, you can win. Now, we didn't win this time because we knew they were cheating. The problem was being able to show that information out to the world to show. And I think that they fell down on that part. But even so, I look at President Trump as the leader to be able to show the American people, if you stand for something and you fight for it, you can achieve it. And that's what we have to remember constantly. And we have to constantly fight for America. One of the things that I saw, and I am going to ask Pastor Rick because I think we need a calming voice <laughs> right now, and I think we need to step back, to pause, to reflect, and to say to ourselves, what is it that we really want from this America? What is it that we really want from this country? And then go set forth to do it. President Trump has had a, a committee to write a new uh, policy for schools, and that was the 1776 project. I just was able to copy it, and guess what? It was scrubbed off of the White House web pages. So it does not exist anymore. You need to have a copy of that. You need to read it. 
and you need to make sure that it gets delivered and shown in your schools because we will have two opposing teams here, and that's not going to change. Remember what Nancy Pelosi said when Trump was elected. We will resist. We will be the party of resistance. And boy, for the last four years, did they ever. So we have a lot of things to do in the next couple of weeks. One is to read the declassified report that President Trump put out and read the 1776 project. And then turn yourself inward and look at your surroundings in your local community and pay attention to what is going on locally. Because remember what I said, as great as we felt in 2016, that's what these people are feeling now. And all of them are not bad. Most of them are good. And many of them are going to find out that they were led to this election with lies. And we have to be there to correct those lies. What do you think, Pastor Rick? This was quite a feat this past week. Well, I think you've said a lot in a short period of time, and and I think that a lot of your observations are important for us to take to heart, and we shouldn't forget that. Um, I had one, <laughs> you're going to think I'm crazy on this, but I guess you wouldn't be the first one. One of the things that occurs to me is knowing some of the policy positions that Joe Biden advocated for during the campaign, one of my first thoughts is I hope he's a normal politician that doesn't keep his promises because we don't want him to do a lot of the things that he said he was going to do. All of us who expressed deeply held convictions that matter in the life archery must not give those up just because there's been a change in political environment in Washington, D.C. If we believed in something and we wanted to advocate for it, and urge its adoption, we should continue to believe that and continue to stand firm. One of the things that that does annoy us is that very thing I said in jest is that so many times politicians just change what they say they believe because of the convenience of the moment. And we who have strong convictions and express those over the last several years must not give up those convictions no matter what, because if they matter, they matter always not just some of the time. So I want to encourage people not to give up what they believe in and and not to quit advocating for what they believe in. Just because a political wind blows one way or another doesn't mean our principled positions change. We have to be resolute and we have to persist in what we believe and not give up on that and not give in in the face of challenges. I think that really matters. I hope people will stand strong stay true to that true north that guided them, and no matter what, work to preserve the blessings of liberty that I think are a gift from God that he expects us to take care of and to preserve. I agree with you 100%. Freedom and liberty are going to be high on the chopping block. We have to remember, as we have said many times on this show, who these people really are. They are communists. Who are communists? They have absolutely no regard for the individual. Only the group is important. And you will see over time as they continually try to divide us. And the best thing to do when that happens is to not let it happen continually without answering them back. If they do that, the man that they show you where 
because most of the time their words are empty. They have no backup. They have no fact. But it's important that we say, okay, you are believing that of me. Show me where. I mean, one of the biggest dichotomies that I can find is listening, and I don't listen anymore, to all of these white, and I will say that, all of the white anchors on the mainstream media lecturing us about white supremacy. Really? Look who's talking. Look in the mirror. How dare you? But we don't call them out for that. And we have to start doing that, even if it means sending an email, sending a text, sending an anything. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you? Don't let them get away with it. We have let them get away with it for the last 150 years, and it's time we stopped. And I believe that that was what President Trump's purpose was, to show us that we have to fight back. We cannot allow this group of, and don't let them fool you, I don't care how many times they go to church. One cannot go to church and believe in the sanctity of life and then turn around and vote for abortion. I don't think that's possible. Do you, Pastor? Oh, I agree completely. There's no consistency in that. And that's why I said earlier, we who have principled viewpoints on things, we don't compromise them. We continue to advocate for them, not because we're trying to be contrary, although that does make us contrary to the prevailing viewpoint, it seems. We're doing that because we believe in the principles that we stand for. Getting back to, to the thoughts about liberty, freedom of conscience is the first liberty, and we need to make sure we don't bow down or cave in when it comes to those kinds of things. The issue of life is one of those. It really does matter. It really is important. And we who believe that can never be silent on that issue. The um, the children that we will preserve, the lives that we will mend, on all kinds of levels and in all kinds of ways depend upon us being true to our convictions and not giving up. That really does matter. It certainly does. And one of the things that I always, I always taught my classes was don't complain about things you can't fix. There is very little right now for the next four years that we're going to be able to do in Washington because they don't really care about us. They're not interested. So don't, don't get so caught up in that part. It is more important that you pay attention to your home circle. What's going on in your local area? What's going on in your state? Pay attention to that because that is something that you can fix. And that's something that we have got to learn. We have to participate in our government to find out what's going on in our schools. We have to participate and vote with our wallet. And it's enough with this boycott garbage. How dare they? Okay, so I tore up my Home Depot card. I tore up my Bed Bath & Beyond card. I tore up my Kohl's card. I'm just not going. You want to treat me like that? I'm going to treat you the same way. I have plenty of places that I can spend my money. I don't have to spend it on people who are so wishy-washy that in order for them to make a sale, they have to tell me how much they hate me. We have to pay attention to what they're doing. We have to be careful. It's very important that we are, but we have to protect what we have. Isn't that well, important? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think we have to take some stands on some things. And for you to make 
buying decisions because of the behavior of a company, that's significant and important. And we don't do that out of retribution or meanness. We do that because we have to make find a way to take a stand. Many of us don't like the idea of, of having to do that because we know our neighbors depend upon those places of business for their job. And we know that ultimately they could be hurt by that. We don't like that. I don't like it. I don't think anybody likes it. But when we're left with few options, we have to exercise the options we have. And many of us like you are making those same decisions with the way we conduct our personal business. We're saying no when people say no to us. And why shouldn't we do that? That's what Americans have always done is express their deeply held convictions in the ways that are available to them. Yes, it might inconvenience me to shop a little differently, but isn't inconvenience worth the principle that I believe in? And I think it is. And I think we're, we're the kind of people that can rise to that challenge. We are. And we are going to have a very, very different viewpoint of what's going on because everything will be visual. And because everything will be visual and be, I mean, it really, really got me angry to listen to how Kamala Harris is the first woman and the first minority to become vice president. Yes, she is. But is she competent? I don't care what she looks like. I don't care what color she is. I don't care if she's a woman or a man. I really don't care. What I do care about is, is she competent? And when they start with the diversity, we have to answer back and say diversity is not the problem. Competency is the problem. I think President Biden has picked the biggest group of incompetent people to head this administration, but maybe that's a good thing. Now, how would I say that? Yes, we're going to suffer for four years. We have to prepare for that. And as Pastor says, as God says, God helps those who help themselves. If you're going to sit in the corner and whine and say God wasn't there for America, wrong, wrong, wrong. God helps those who help themselves. That's up to us, and that's what we have to do. As our future is now in balance, as we, these people will now be destroying America, that doesn't mean we have to take it. We have states' rights. Know your constitution. We have rights even under the federal government. And believe me, if enough people got together, like the Democrats do, and actually did something, I do believe it will make an impact. And that's what we have to do is make an impact. Do not let them get away with lies. Do not let them get away with the things that they're going to be getting away with. Even if they do, I think that in two years, once they get and find out the things that Trump really did, all 600 of them, they will be in shock of how much we have to appreciate what he did. The New York Times even buried a story. They had a story about how is the Biden administration going to compete? And now they have to compete on the economy and bring it back to the pre-COVID levels. And that means where Trump left it. Oh, my goodness. So I believe, Pastor, that these people are going to make enough mistakes that we are early enough that we can do something. It's going to be up to us. What do you say? Well, I think we do need to step up, take responsibility, 
and get involved and stay involved. Uh, I'm reminded when, when I hear you talk about some of these things of, of a former congressman who I heard speak many years ago. And first, I didn't like what he said, but I mentioned quite frequently to people, he said, we have to watch the people we elect because they will do whatever they can get away with. Now, good-hearted people don't really understand sometimes that there are people that will do that because we treat each other well. We're honest with each other and we don't try to undermine each other. And we don't try to get away with things, but there are people that do that and we need to be vigilant. And that's part of our responsibility during these days. And the other thing that, that I'm reminded about, we often think that powerless in the face of some of these kinds of things, but I would encourage people to read the book of Daniel. The first six chapters of the book of Daniel tell the story of Daniel and his friends who were taken captive by the Babylonians and how they remain true to their principles in the face of a power that could crush them at any moment. But they refused to give in. They refused to stand down. They stood up in the ways that were available to them, and they made a profound impact on Nebuchadnezzar and the whole Babylonian government. We can do that too, and we must. Absolutely. Well, uh, Pastor, we are at the end of the show for the week. So how about a pr uplifting prayer? Because I think that is what we can we can all use. We had a pity party for a week. It's over. It's time to move on, move forward, make sure that America's house is always in order. Absolutely. I'd be happy to pray for us. So let's let's turn to God because he is the best place to turn. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can turn to you and you can hear our hearts amidst all of the things that go on and all of the feelings that overwhelm us. We recognize that you are still there. You hear us and you remain constant and we can trust you and we want you to know we do trust you. We pray that you would move our hearts to move the hearts of our neighbors and to preserve that gift of liberty you've given us. We will not surrender it. We will not back down. We will serve to keep what you gave us, no matter what happens and no matter the sacrifice. Move us all in that direction, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening. This is Karen Schoen and Pastor Rick Stevens. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. But I'll always stay proud and free. I'm America, don't tread on me.